If you aren't aware of it by now, you're obviously not paying attention, but uh, we're feeding the crowd today, not we, but uh, some parents and the youth, and they've made it clear that this is the opportunity for the youth to serve us, and to a great degree, it's their way of saying thank you uh, for what has already taken place on their behalf. This this church has been magnificent in its uh, in its desire to support our youth. And as you know, a lot of planning goes into uh, to such an event. A lot of forethought goes into feeding the youth. And those who are planning it, they have some concerns, don't they? That's why they put out, a couple weeks back, they put out a sign-up sheet. They wanted to have some idea of how many people might come to this particular event. And there's a couple purposes in that. One, they want to have enough food that if they say, hey, will you please come? And we're doing a fundraising supper for the youth. They want to make sure there's enough so that you don't come and get, you know, like two little pieces of, you know, noodle and, you know, looking for some sauce on it. It's like, no, we got to have enough on the one hand. On the other hand, they don't want to have so much that they, whatever expenses they have to defer, uh, get lost and there's no real value in having had a fundraiser. And so uh, they've got their concerns when it comes to feeding a crowd of this capacity. We, of course, those of us who are being served, we wind up with some concerns also, don't we? And the, particularly on the part of those who didn't sign up, we're wondering, well, wait a second, there was a sign up? Does it, can I still come to this then if I didn't get on the sign-up? Let me make it clear. Yes, you can be on this even if you didn't. You can come to this even if you didn't make it to the sign-up. In fact, the coolest thing ever would be if everybody, every single soul that's here, when you left here, you just went right over there and said, I got to get some of that, some of that pasta they're serving today, okay? That'd be great. There's room for everyone. He said, but I didn't sign up. But listen, people, there's always people who can't make it when you don't sign up. Number one. Number two, I asked them. They said, yeah, we've made extra. And so we're asking everyone to come. And I know there's another question. You're here for the first time. And you're saying, this is the first I've heard about this. You know, I was gone the last couple of weeks. And I'm not sure where to, to go with the fact that I didn't bring my checkbook. Guess what? They'll even accept your check some other time. They do charge interest, but they'll take your check. All right? So it's okay. Just come and eat. And they want an opportunity the youth want an opportunity to serve those who will who will be here so feeding the crowd today well the fact that we're feeding the crowd today here it seemed appropriate to me that we ought to consider one of the two accounts as we're just kind of as i refer to it squirreling around in the gospel of mark uh one of two accounts where jesus also uses his disciples to feed a crowd and we're going to see that in mark chapter 6. Now, before we get there, Mark offers some interesting background to the text and the account that we're about to read. First, we find out that John the Baptist was recently executed by Herod. So that leaves them in somewhat of an emotionally, I would say, distressed situation. Secondly, the disciples have just returned from a ministry endeavor that Jesus had sent them out on. In fact, they have come back, they've reported, they're all excited, but they're, you're also tired when you come back from a ministry endeavor. You know, sometimes people think, like, Josh, he's away with the youth, 
and a couple of other adults that are away with the youth, it's like, oh, isn't it great? You get to go with the youth, and you, you get to go have a little getaway. You get to go have a little time. You get to go have a little fun. Okay, how many of you have taken youth on anything, okay? Is that a little getaway? Is that a little fun? Is that a little relaxing? Not at all. Ministry is tiring, isn't it? Ministry, it's, it's exhilarating, but it will wear you out. You come back, you're tired. And they've been in doing some exhilarating ministry. They're excited to report what has taken place, but they are tired. And we're told that there were so many who were coming and going, they haven't even had time to eat. So Jesus calls them aside for a little time of rest. Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while because he knows there needs to be some refreshment brought to the disciples' lives. That's the background to what we then read. As we pick it up in Mark chapter 6, verse 32, so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So so he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. That was a crowd to feed. They're out seeking refuge. That's why they went to where they went. They were going to get away from the crowd. They were going to have that time to come away and rest And the escape failed. The crowds got wind of what was happening. Word spread quickly. And by the thousands, they began to come to where they understood that Jesus and his disciples had landed and were landing. And there he was. He looks out and he sees them. And rather than continuing to seek to escape the masses, we find out that he ministered to them. Verse 34 says in our translations that his heart went out towards them. The word is an interesting word, just in its kind of graphic. The word literally is splontnidzomai, long word, hard to pronounce. And it literally means that his intestines went out to them. 
Now, yeah, that's kind of weird, all right? <laughs> you won't forget it now, though. You see, Judy, now you'll remember it, okay? It says he, our translation says he had compassion on them. Now, why that? Because we would say, in our culture, we would say his heart went out to them. But within their culture, they understood that the, the, the seat of generosity and kindness and fullness, they described it as their intestines. In the old King James, their bowels went out to them. I know that all sounds, but I don't want you to forget that something inside of him just reached out to these who were in need. And he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Some years ago, Steve, Steve Levenhagen, uh, took us through the book on a Wednesday night, the 23rd Psalm. Uh, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. And uh, that's the one that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And one of the things that this shepherd pointed out was in particular in that culture, sheep have no way of finding their own food. They have no way of getting to that place. They need the shepherd to lead them. And without one to lead them, they will ultimately just die out there because they're not going to find where the pastures are. And uh, so they're needing sustenance. And the sustenance that Jesus first gives them is what is their most needed for them, and that is spiritual sustenance. He teaches them in this emotional state when he's, he's, I'm sure, discouraged about what's taken place with John the Baptist, in this place where he would rather hang out just with his bros and get some time together and say, let's go rest, let's talk about and be refreshed about what you saw God do. Now he's being asked yet again to serve, to minister to thousands. And because of the compassion that is in him, rather than saying, oh, I just got to cut loose here, he gave them and he fed them spiritual food. And they hung on to his words. Mark tells us that the, the crowds loved him. Now, as the day goes on, the disciples, of course, they raise some concerns. It's getting late. <laughs> and they look around and realize we're in a deserted place. Remember, you were taking us on a retreat. You were taking us to a place where there weren't a lot of people. And the fact that there aren't a lot of people means there are not a lot of places to buy food in the area. And that was the point. We went to an isolated place to get away from people. Where there are no people, they don't put up restaurants and bakeries. And so they see this as a problem that is developing. Uh, there's a lot of people here. Do you, do you know what? Do you know what hungry crowds act like? Do you know what angry hungry crowds act like? This could get bad here any minute, Jesus. We better do something. Here's an idea. We see the concern that they have. Uh, let's make a solution. Send them away so that they can go buy food before there's a bigger problem that happens here because there's nothing for them to eat. Now, friends, this is the reality. The disciples' concerns were quite realistic, were they not? Here's a large crowd. They've been at it all day. There are no provisions because they are in the wilderness. When we think about what's going to happen back here, okay, we know, we can smell, mm, it's going to be wonderful, it's going to be great pasta that's going to be served. 100% of us are going to actually go there when we're done here. We're all going to get fed, but we know one thing, it took a lot of planning to get to that point. We all know planning has gone in. 
to what's happening today. There was no planning for feeding 5,000 people at the outset of this day. They're trying to get away. They're going on a little retreat together to get away from the crowds. So the disciples' concerns were the same as the concerns that we would be facing today. That's why there was a a sign-up list. Let's get at least a rough idea as to how many people. So we, we make sure we have things in a good place. And that's for this simple reason, right? We all work, every last one of us works with limiting incapacities. There's just, there, there's, there's just limits to what we can do. We have things that I can only do this much, and then after that, I'm done. I can't go any further. Nobody, and it's, it's going to be great what takes place after this service, but nobody there, for as good as that's going to be, nobody there could just step up and feed this church unexpectedly. No matter how good they can cook, there simply would be no provisions, right? Let's, let's just say we all got here for church and we weren't expecting the dinner, right? That was it. We're just a regular church day and that storm, that's, it's, it's blowing a little bit out there, but it just started blowing, you know, and then the state says we're closing down all the roads. Nobody can be on the roads, and we're stuck here, all right? And there it is. We're all here, okay? Would we ask those same people, say, hey, you guys, <laughs> feed us. They'd go, you're nuts. There's no food. There's no provisions. It doesn't work. Judy's over here smiling because you remember that happened to you. Judy and Miles had the youth out at a district conference years ago. I remember because my daughter was in that group, and the storm came. And the rest in the hotel was running out of food and all sorts of problems, right? They don't have, they can't just, the, the limitations were real, right? The provisions weren't there. And if we were to be all of a sudden told you got to feed everybody hadn't planned out, there'd be no provisions. We get that. But, you know, we get that in another realm, don't we? As we think about living our lives, we know that intellectually, financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, philosophically, experientially, We're all limited in our capacities. We all know there's only so much I understand. There's only so much I know. There's only so much I can do. There's only so much energy that I have. And I reach a limit. And after that, I'm just done. I can't do any more than that. Now, our capacities vary between us. Some can do more than others in all of these different areas. Our capacities vary, but we are all limited in whatever capacities we have, plain and simple. There comes a point where we go, I can't do anymore. And that's what the disciples were working with. Like us, we all work with limiting incapacities. Now, the disciples no sooner declare this. Did you pick that up? They no sooner declare that there is a capacity problem. See, we got this many people and no access to food. There's a capacity problem. And they no sooner declare it that the only solution is to send them away so that they each be on their own to find their food. And Jesus makes an absolutely ridiculous request. They see the size of the crowd. He says, but after they say, you send them away, he says to them, uh, I got a better idea. You feed them. They're like, what? What do you mean we feed them? 
You expect us to go get, you know, 200 denarii worth of food and bring it back? Is that what it is? That's the equivalent of eight months wages for a common worker. They didn't have that kind of money with them. They didn't have eight months of wages hanging on them. They could run out, out of the wilderness because that's where they're at out of the deserted place to get stuff, then to bring it back. It just isn't going to make sense. To them, the request is absolutely ridiculous. Because they work like you and I work, with a very real knowledge of some limited, limiting capacities, limiting incapacities. I don't care which one you want to call it, the limitation is there. But what the disciples were about to learn is this. Whereas we work with limiting Capacities, God works with multiplying capabilities. And that's where this thing really begins to get rich. Because God is able to do something that goes far beyond what we can do. So what does Jesus tell him to do? He says, take some inventory. What kind of stock have you got? What do you, what do you got in the back room, if you will? What do you got in some cupboard nestled away that you can pull out? And so they take inventory. They've got five loaves and two fish. That's it. Five and two. Kind of reminds you of the handsome family. Five kids, two parents. (laughs) Five loaves, two fish. Now, Jesus asked him to take inventory, not to determine how far can we spread this out. How can we possibly feed this, you know? Because the text, I almost started laughing and reading the text. I'm sorry, but it's like, and and the two fish, and he fed them all. He divided out among them all. And I'm like, that isn't a whole lot of fish you're going to get. Even a big fish, you divide it out among 5,000 people. You may be able to get, what, a scale? It's like, no. The point, I don't believe, was to determine, have we got enough to do something with? I believe the point was to teach the disciples something. To teach the disciples something about what was about to happen. Because we're going to get another inventory taken at the end of the story, aren't we? So they seat the people. We're told, he tells them, seat the people, put them into groups, parties, groups of 50s. Groups of a hundred. I just wonder what that was like. Can't you just see it? You know, somebody coming out with a clipboard. Levi party of a hundred. You're right over here. <laughs> How they got them situated out like that, I don't know. But they got them situated. They took the fish and they took the loaves. Jesus looked to heaven, blessed it, thanked the Lord, and then he began to break it. And these fish and loaves that the disciples had brought to him, he now begins to hand back to them and said, now feed, go feed, go feed, go feed. And they just continue to have bread and fish to pass out to 5,000 people. You ever wonder what the disciples must have been thinking about that time? When they realize some guy, you know, he's like, he's making his ninth trip. He's like, didn't we just have five loaves and two fish? And I've personally given out more than five loaves and two fish out of this. 
I can imagine at the, at the beginning, they're looking like Jesus. It's like, this guy is nuts. He's going to humiliate us in front of all these people. What is going on? And by the end, can you just see, you know, the one guy, he's bringing out his five, and the other guy's coming back. Where they're high-fiving one another. Isn't this cool? Look what's going on here. And it's just the excitement girls. They're having a grand old time feeding these people. They get them all fed, and Jesus okay, now collect up the scraps. We don't want to leave a mess here, guys. And so they collect up the scraps, and they take another inventory. Twelve baskets full of scraps. They wind up with more scraps than they started out with food to begin with. Whoa. And we're told after that inventory, 5,000 were fed that day. You see, we work with limiting incapacities. God works with multiplying capabilities. As we look back at that story, we're going to just consider a couple of thoughts. Number one, did, did you notice that Jesus is compassionate, first of all? Twice I see his compassion going forth in that. First of all, when he tells his disciples, come aside and rest. He's caring for his disciples. Secondly, when he looks on the crowd, he sees they're like sheep without a shepherd. It just causes us to ask, what's our perspective of his attitude towards us? What is our perspective of how God views us? What is our perspective on how God views lost people? Is our, is our perspective, as we have come to under, understand him, is our perspective one of his harshness? Or is it one of one who looks on us and sees how broken and lost we are and he just calls to us and he invites us and he, and he says, come to me so that I might bring blessing and richness into your life. Come to me and I will feed you. That's number one. Number two, what we cannot miss is that Jesus, not only is he compassionate, he is incredible. Don't miss the simple reality of what he did. He took a few loaves and a couple of fishes, and he fed 5,000 people with them. There's no other way to describe it than his power to create his power to do miracles, his power to do what you and I can never do. It sets him apart. There's never been anyone else who's walked the face of the earth quite like him, people. He is, he is the only one in his class among humankind because he's the only one who is God incarnate. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is incredible. And as we watch it unfold, Jesus is making it all happen. I believe I've told you before, forgive me for saying it again, but I had the privilege of sitting with uh, Dr. Walbert, who was the president of Dallas Seminary for many years, and had a privilege of having lunch with him one day. And the one thing I recall from that conversation, he said this, God uses what he can of what we offer to him. His point was, yeah, we're all broken, we all got problems, we all got issues, but that which we offer to him, he will use out of it what he can. And that's what we see happening here. Jesus said, what do you got, guys? What what do you have? 
And he used it then to feed 5,000 with much leftovers to boot. Now, Jesus is making it all happen. We need to remember that, friends. As we continue on in our journeys and we try and understand God's work in our lives, we need to remember as we work with our, always with our limiting incapacities, God is working with multiplying capabilities so that he can take that little bit that we have, that little bit of something we say, Lord, I just want to yield this up, that you use this for the kingdom. And he can make something happen with it. You know, for me personally, friends, for me, this is where joy and freedom come in service for Christ. This is where the joy and the freedom come from. I am not trying to live up to some impossible standard that I can never meet in my life. I'm sorry, I, I've, I've failed on that, okay? I've already failed. I've already proven I can't live up to that. But I have seen God prove also his willingness to take whatever it is we have to offer that it might be sanctified, that it might be used for his glory. And I have seen God do multiplying ministries that go beyond anything that can be explained. And I say, praise God, how wonderful is that? Because he's making it happen. He's making it unfold. And there's great joy. And I find when I watch it happen once, I just want to watch it happen again. Two thoughts, Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. We're familiar with them. Uh, Somebody help me out here because I'm drawing a blank now. Go ahead. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourself, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that God has foreordained that we should walk in them. Do you know how magnificent that truth is? God saves us by faith. God saves us through the blood of Jesus Christ, and then he offers us the privilege of being involved in his continuing work of reaching people. He says, I have some things. I have determined there are some things I'd like you to do. There are some things I want you to walk into. And what it comes down to, that's his way of saying to us, when we look and we go, we can't do it, we can't do it. He says, feed them yourself. Because I'm going to multiply what you yield to me. I've got stuff for you to do. Jesus had 5,000 for them to feed. He says, I've got stuff for you to do. I go, it's beyond my ability. I can't do it, Lord. He goes, that's all right, because I'm going to do it, because I'm going to multiply what you do. That's number one, what you bring. Number two is simply giftedness. Friends, simply, gift, simply giftedness. See, because we share, according to Romans 12, our giftedness comes in varying amounts and degrees. There are varying capacities of giftedness that we have. And it would be easy for us to get caught up, whether it's a spiritual gift or whatever whatever our capacities are, it's very easy for us to look around and say, I don't have, I can't do it like him, I can't do it like her, I'm not this, I'm not that, I guess I'll just sit back here in the corner and won't do anything because I don't see where I fit in. God tells us that he's given each one of us capacities that could be used for his kingdom. And the problem is not whether, and the issue is not whether or not mine compared to yours or yours to somebody else or theirs to some that's not the issue the issue is are we bringing these capacities that he has given us and say lord i just want them to count for you 
I want them to be used for your kingdom. And we yield them up to him, let him multiply them, send us out, and then we begin to see how he's going to use us and how, he, how we're going to be effective. See, we can get caught up in some issues that, that, uh, that don't really matter a whole lot. You look at the early church, they're just like us. They're no different than us, right? And there were some times during the early church where people were getting all, all caught up in this thing. Man, you got to really have the gift of tongues. That really sets you out, sets you apart. You were special. They were, read 1 Corinthians, you'll see. And Paul's kind of like, dude, don't get all caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. What do we do? Man, we look at those who can sing, and we look at those who can stammer a little bit in front of a group of people and think, oh, they're really the special ones. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're just people who are yielding what God has given them. And some of the things that God uses is more public. It's got a more visible face on it. But you do understand, don't you? We all understand this, that whenever you see somebody who's the public face of something, that there are dozens and fifties and hundreds and in some cases thousands and tens of thousands behind them, behind that one face who make it possible for them to, because they have all their giftedness that is contributing. So that gives each one of us a place just to say, Lord, I just want to know my place in this whole picture. And I just want to yield my giftedness to you. And for to you, you to use it as you multiply it in a way that you see fit. And that's when it gets fun, friends. That's when it gets fun. When we're called not only out of the darkness for our own lives, and we go, man, I'm so glad I'm not in the darkness. But then he says, no, I want you to play on my team because there's others need to come out of the darkness too. And I got a role for you to play. I'm not that good, Lord. That isn't the issue. I'm going to multiply. What I've given you, I will multiply. And I will make your place as effective as it needs to be. In fact, I will multiply it so much so that when you take an inventory after all is said and done, you're going to find out I had more left over than you ever began with. Remember those 12 baskets you heard about in Mark chapter 6? That's happening in your life too. Oh, isn't that wonderful, friends? Isn't it an incredible joy to know that, yeah, we've got these limiting capacities, but God's got multiplying capabilities and he'll take what we give to him and he will multiply it and he will use it. So enjoy as you walk this journey of life, enjoy what God has gifted you to do, the capacities that he has given you, enjoy that journey and just watch him work because he's going to do the work and our limitations aren't the issue. It's our willingness to yield it to him. Magnificent, wonderful, joyful time to be involved in the kingdom of God. Again, love to have everybody at dinner in just a little bit. Okay, we're going to close. And uh, then um, I want to give you one bit of instruction after that. All right, so let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are able to do multiplying effects in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are so excited about us being a part of your kingdom work, that you foreordained there are specific things you're allowing us to be involved in to make you known, that others who are sheep without shepherds might know you. Oh, Father, we rejoice in that magnificent privilege. 
And we pray your blessing on us as you have spoken to each one of us, Lord. May we yield ourselves evermore to how it is you're going to use us. And whatever it is in the course of this next week where you have us on our journey, that you're going to use us in some way. You'll multiply our capacities, Father. What a great privilege that is to consider that, Lord. Make us aware of it, Father. Enable us to look for it. Trust you for that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.